You are listening to KYRS Community Radio, Medical Lake Spokane, at 88.1 and 92.3 FM. Hello, and welcome to Art Hour. This is your host, Mike Malsom. This week, we will hear five more stories from Pivot Spokane's storytelling contest on the theme of Fish Out of Water. Members of the community told true stories without notes about times they have felt like a fish out of water. If you would like to hear more about Pivot, search Pivot Spokane on social media, or you can get on their email newsletter list by emailing pivotspokane at gmail.com. If you like these stories, you can find the videos for these stories by going to pivotspokane.com. While you're there, leave a like or a comment. Now on to the show. Our first storyteller is Eric Viking who tells a harrowing story of his brief stint working at Dick's Hamburgers. Hey, uh, my name is Eric Viking, and this story is about how I started a brand new job at Dick's Hamburgers in downtown Spokane, Washington. The year was 2007. It was hot. It was August. And... um. I had joked with my friends, you know, in the years prior, growing up as kids, hey, do you think the people there are crazy that work at Dick's? Do you think they're crazy? Do you think it's that gross back there? Do you think there's dead animals, like, under the countertop? So we were, like, laughing, and we're like, yeah, probably. But 2007 rolled around. I'm in college. I don't need a job. I'm working at the college as well. So I'm, I'm a student and I'm working there and I don't really need a job, but I had spare time on my hands. So I decided it would be funny to follow through and actually apply to work at Dick's Hamburgers as a joke. So then I could maybe report to my friends what's actually going on behind the scenes. And um, they were like, yeah, you're not going to do it. No, I did. I did. I went down there and and I applied. It was one sheet of paper with about six questions on it. That's it. Just one piece of paper. I grabbed a pencil, filled in, s- answered six questions, and I handed it to the manager, thinking nothing of it. She goes, she looks at it and she goes, hmm, sounds good. You're hired. See you tomorrow morning at nine. And I'm like, what? Like, I knew I was applying for the job, but I did not think that they would just give it to me right there on the spot. I thought that I was going to get kicked out. I was trying to act really weird so they wouldn't hire me. I don't know. I was just joking around. But the joke turned into reality, and they actually hired me. And I was like, I have to work at Dick's tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Mind blown. So I told my friends, I was like, it's going to be funny, right? And they were like, and I was like, what do you mean? We talked, we joked about this all the time. And they were kind of just like, weird. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work. So um, I'm going to tell you some stories about, about what it's like back there um, behind the scenes at Dick's Hamburgers. Um, yes, it's grimy. <laughs> yes, there's like a two inch thing thick glob of bacon grease that you have to slide across to get from like the fryer to the front counter um yes there was a dead like a like a portion of a dead bird with feathers still on it in the break room like in the corner like halfway in a crack and halfway out of a crack no one ever swept nobody ever mopped i never saw one person mop there was milkshakes on the floor there's rats huge rats um milkshakes grease chicken buckets of fried fish laying on the ground it was as unsanitary as you could possibly imagine it it was kind of like kind of like bringing like the dicks back alleyway you know behind dicks it's like bringing that it's like that area snuck into into the the restaurant you know what i mean so um it was bad i worked as a cashier so i slid across the bacon fat and the dead animals to get to the front and (laughs) my first day 
they were like screaming at me, like, get to work, get to work. I was just still thinking it was a joke. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm here to report the funny stuff. Like, I just want to like walk around and like look at stuff and like talk to, talk to my coworkers and see if they're like really weird or something. And they were like, no, get to work. And I had to actually get to work. It was really, really hard work. I swear, hardest job I've ever had. Constantly working over and over and over and over again. Short breaks, constant work, constant lines going all the way around the building. Work, 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 work. And I'm just like, what did I get myself into? This new job sucks. I'm working my butt off. But uh, I can tell you about one of my coworkers that brightened my time there. Um, I was just like, hey, psst, like, who's that over there? And they're like, oh, that's you know Jim. I forgot his name. And he was getting escorted into the back room to the fries for his shift because I realized that he's actually a convict, current convict. Like he was staying in um, Geiger at the Geiger uh, Corrections Facility. And part of his work release program, you know, to get him out of jail sooner, he he works at Dick's. He would work four-hour shifts, and he he would work the fries for four hours, from like 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., escorted, in handcuffs, unhandcuffed, and they would work the fries. And then would, when then he would leave for his shift, they would re-handcuff him, put him in the squad car, and take him back to jail. So... While he was uncuffed, um, I was like, "I was like, hey man, how's it going? My name's Eric. I, I wanted to know all about this guy because he might have some crazy stories to tell." And he was like, "He was like, hey man, I got an obsession." And I was like, "What's that? What's that? What do you got?" And he's like, "I like to put my butt on things." <laughs> you like to put, yeah. So what's that mean? <laughs> he was like, you know. I mark my territory around here. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, he was like, I just put my butt on that spatula over there. And I was like, he was like, I was like, bare butt. And he was like, yep, bare butt. So he would tell me about these stories about how he would stick his, he'd pull his pants down and stick his bare butt on things at Dick's Hamburgers to mark his territory. He put his butt on the fries. He put his butt on the hot grease that you cook the fries in. He put his butt on the countertop. He put his butt on the bread. He put his butt probably on the dead animals that were in the back room. He put his butt everywhere. And that's what he was obsessed with. And that's what I was... I could not believe it. And he was doing it during my shift. He was doing it and it would be like, Psst. I hit that. I hit that. And I'm like, I would just laugh so hard. I couldn't believe it. So yes, it was grimy. Yes, it was disgusting. Yes, everybody there that worked there was weird and insane. He was a convict. It was, it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. And I remember working the front counter and one of my friends came up and he was like, dude, why are you working here? And I was like, it's a joke. Don't you, don't you get it? Like laugh, laugh. It's funny, right? Look around. I, was, I, I told him, I was like, look behind me. This is, <laughs> isn't it funny? And he goes, not really. And I go, no, not funny. I thought, and he goes, do you need some money, man? You need some money? And he offered me money. This was one of my friends that I thought, we joked around about it with. He offered me money, and I was like, I guess it's not funny anymore. And everyone felt sorry for me. All my friends felt sorry for me that I was working there. They thought I really needed the job, but I really just wanted to see all the funny stuff that was going on there. So once it became not funny to work at Dick's Hamburgers, I quit. I just quit the next day. It's not funny anymore. So I quit went back to college or I continued college and I that's my story I I thought it was pretty funny 
KRS Thin Air Community Radio is a volunteer powered, non commercial, listener supported community radio station in Spokane, Washington, serving the area with unique programming for unserved and underserved populations. Heard on 92.3 and 88.1 FM and streaming 24 7 at www. KYRS.org. We provide a mix of news, views, culture, and music often overlooked by other media. KYRS depends on listeners like you. Please donate by texting Give KYRS, all one word, to 44321 or call 747 3807. That's Give KYRS. All one word to 44321 or call 747-3807. KYRS Easy Pay Program become a sustaining member of KYRS. By donating on a monthly basis, you help ensure steady income to keep KYRS powered and strong. Please consider signing up to make a recurring donation to KYRS by visiting kyrs.org and complete the form. It's that easy. Also, you can donate by texting one word, give KYRS to 44321 or calling 747-3807. That is by texting give KYRS, all one word, to 44321 or calling 747-3807. Donate just $3 a month now to KYRS and you'll receive a year's membership, which includes email updates, the KYRS bumper sticker, and the great feeling of supporting something positive in your community. True Community Radio depends on your support and involvement. Visit kyrs.org to donate and become a member. That is just $3 a month to become a member for one year. If you are a listener to Art Hour, please consider donating to KYRS to keep us up and running for another year. Your donation is so important now more than ever to help sustain all our volunteer community radio. Our next storyteller, Tracy Simmons, tells her story of students, a pride parade, and identity. I was on a bus somewhere in the middle of Israel when I felt like I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was a fish writhing on the edge of a pier, gasping for breath. That's when I came out to my students. I was teaching journalism at Gonzaga at the time. Myself and a Judaism professor were leading 10 students on a study abroad trip through the Middle East. Some were religious and some weren't. Uh, the other professor, who's a very good friend of mine, was very open about her personal life. In the hostel or at a restaurant or on the bus, it really didn't matter where. She would FaceTime with her kids and with her wife, frequently taking out her earbuds so that they could all say hello to the class. Now, I've always been a bit more reserved with my students. Maybe it's because I teach journalism and I thought I was modeling objectivity, or at least that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing. So they didn't know my political views or my religious views, nor did they know my story. They didn't know that, like many of them, I was a first-generation college student. They didn't know that I grew up in a single-parent home. And unless they did a Google search on me, they did not know that I grew up in a cult. And, well, I'm sorry, friends, that's a story for another time. <laughs> because I didn't wear a ring on my finger. They probably assumed I wasn't married. And I'm pretty sure some of them, a lot of them maybe, had presumptions about my sexuality. But I kept all of that pretty close as well. All they knew for sure was that I was a journalist specializing in religion reporting that I loved cycling, and that I loved animals, especially my dog and my four chickens. Now, on a study abroad trip, it's easy to get a little more relaxed with your students. You dine together, you travel together, and you get to know things about them that you normally wouldn't. Because our trip was so small, there's only 12 of us, 
we were able to adjust the program on the fly as needed a little bit. You know, sure, we could give you a few more minutes of the shuk, or we could uh, go have shawarma for lunch rather than more hummus. <laughs> um, or we could build an extra time to go over how to use the audio equipment. Now, we spent hours on the bus traveling back and forth from Israel to Palestine. The students had pretty heavy uh, writing assignments and pretty heady reading assignments to do. And after a few weeks, we could tell they were getting worn out. So when they asked us for a day off, we said yes. When they pushed a little further and asked not only for a day off, but a day trip to Tel Aviv to attend the Pride Parade, <laughs> we were intrigued. And after some discussion, we agreed. Now, the drive to Tel Aviv was, was a lengthy one. So to pass the time, the students were listening to music and they were chatting um, and our tour guide was wearing a rainbow hat. And there was this rousing energy moving, moving through the bus. For me, though, my heart was heavy. To me, pride has always been, it's always had a more serious undertone. Now, don't get me wrong. There's something about the colors and the crowd and the music and the parade that's fun and freeing. And I was thrilled at the chance to be able to experience one of the biggest pride parades, pride events in the world. But ultimately, what brings us together is more than that. I go to pride so that I can walk the streets knowing that the person next to me has likely also been misunderstood, judged, maybe even forsaken. We are a community of misfits who, for one day, we get to celebrate that. And I felt like it was important for my students to know this. So as the bus rumbled down the dusty highway, I moved to the front, I took the mic, and I faced my class. They stopped their music and they looked at me inquisitively. And that's when the bus turned to the edge of a pier and I turned into the floundering fish who couldn't breathe. I don't know if they could tell that's what was happening. I told them how much it meant to me personally that they wanted to use their time off to spend a half day back on that bus to go to Pride. But I told them that it wasn't just a party. I told them that I came out to my family when I was about their age, in my 20s. I couldn't come out sooner because I was taught that homosexuality is one of the greatest sins. I had to move far away to even grasp that, to even grasp who I was and come to terms with who I was. Some of us, I told them, had to lose our families, had to say goodbye to them in order to be out and attend a parade like this. I didn't need to go into details. They got it. I saw in their eyes, as they looked back at me, that they knew in that moment that they would be marching that day and dancing that day for a cause, which was to show acceptance and love for those of us who had been rejected by their families. I felt like they threw me back in the water when I could breathe again. So ever since that day, my students know who I am. Because one of them sitting in those seats could be struggling to breathe. Because they're dealing with rejection or shame due to their sexuality. And my hope is that maybe my transparency is helping them find their way. So... Thank you. Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. We got the blues on. Surely ain't got a thing to lose. 
Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Women's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. KYRS, Thin Air Community Radio, is a volunteer-powered, non-commercial, listener-supported community radio station in Spokane, Washington, serving the area with unique programming for unserved and underserved populations. Heard on 92.3 and 88.1 FM and streaming 24-7 at www.kyrs.org, we provide a mix of news, views, culture, and music often overlooked by other media. KYRS depends on listeners like you. Please donate by texting "Give KYRS" all one word to four four three two one or call seven four seven three eight zero seven. That's "Give KYRS" all one word to four four three two one or call seven four seven three eight zero seven. KYRS Easy Pay Program become a sustaining member of KYRS. By donating on a monthly basis, you help ensure steady income to keep KYRS powered and strong. Please consider signing up to make a recurring donation to KYRS by visiting kyrs.org and complete the form. It's that easy. Also, you can donate by texting one word, give KYRS to 44321 or calling 747-3807. That is by texting give KYRS, all one word, to 44321 or calling 747-3807. Donate just $3 a month now to KYRS and you'll receive a year's membership, which includes email updates, the KYRS bumper sticker, and the great feeling of supporting something positive in your community. True Community Radio depends on your support and involvement. Visit kyrs.org to donate and become a member. That is just $3 a month to become a member for one year. If you are a listener to Art Hour, please consider donating to KYRS to keep us up and running for another year. Your donation is so important now more than ever to help sustain all our volunteer community radio. You're invited to cruise Americana Avenue with me, Jim Tate, in your car or at the office, each Tuesday from 2 to 4 p.m. You'll hear the best and progressive American Roots music in a multitude of styles. It's Americana Avenue on your radio station, KYRS. Our next storyteller is Mary Stover, who tells a story of being a fish out of water in Italy and wearing two pairs of pants. Hi, I'm Mary Stover. In the summer of 2012, I studied abroad as part of my master's program in in communication and leadership at Gonzaga. So I went to Italy. I booked a ticket from Spokane to Pisa, and I was going to go from Pisa to Rome on the train and then spend a week in Rome before meeting my classmates in Florence at the end of the week. I was so excited. I got to the airport ready to leave and they told me my flight had been canceled because of mechanical problems. They told me to come back again that night and then I could go through another city and still make it to Pisa the next day. They said, be here by five o'clock, you know, so I get there at five o'clock and the ticket counter is closed. They're like, oh, people have been waiting for that flight for hours. We can't let you back. I'm like, Great. So I call the 800 number and again they tell me, you know, 
be there tomorrow. We'll send you out on the plane. All this time they've had my bags, you know, on planes that I wasn't on and I didn't leave with. So the next morning I go to fly out and I leave and it's great. They send me directly to Rome, bypassing Pisa. They said, listen, because we ruined your night in Pisa, we're going to put you up in Rome. So when you get there, check in, we'll get your hotel voucher. I was like, great. I get there and I don't have any luggage. And they said, okay, we're going to put you up in this hotel. There's food voucher. You're good to go. We'll make sure your bags are delivered to your Airbnb tomorrow. So I go to my hotel. I had this amazing plate of pasta. And then I got massive food poisoning. So I was sick all night. And then the next morning I made my way towards my Airbnb. My Airbnb hostess was a lovely woman. She's from Guatemala. She'd been in Rome for 20 years. So she spoke fluent Italian and fluent Spanish. My Spanish was pretty good. My Italian was better at the time. And of course, I speak fluent English. So we kept speaking in three different languages and only one time had to sit at the computer to help uh, get help from Google Translate. So she was trying to show me how to go to an open air market and buy clothes since my luggage hadn't shown up. And she was trying to tell me that linen breathes better in the heat, which I'm a big fan of, so I got it. So I bought a tank style uh, linen tunic dress because of the heat and a pair of like um, really easy flowy trousers. So every night I would wash them, dry them, because it was so hot it would dry almost immediately. And then I would take off again in the next morning. On the third day that I was in Rome, um, I, I was planning to go to the Vatican. So I had downloaded a bunch of podcasts from Rick Steves. And he would be the tour guide through the Vatican. I wouldn't have to pay to be a part of a tour group or pay a guide to get me through. So I'm listening to him on the like how to get ready for your trip thing. And he's saying, if you're a lady, make sure your shoulders are covered. And I was like, crap, I don't have a scarf or anything. So I found another open air market and I was trying to find a scarf to wear. They had some like sweaters, but it was so hot. I, w I couldn't wear a cardigan. So I found a really beautiful aqua pair of trousers and I fashioned them in a sort of wrap around my shoulders, praying that no one would notice that I was wearing two pairs of trousers, one up top, one below. Um, and so um, I very proudly made my way towards the Vatican Museum. And um, I went inside. Now, Rick Steves had said, buy your ticket and just go in and let the podcast walk you through. He also very clearly said, if you hear an American accent as a tour guide, don't go on a tour with that person because they will get you in, but they won't give you the best information. So I thought, well, I'm just going to go. I asked, I was listening to the security guard give someone else information. And I thought he was saying that the Sistine Chapel was closing early. So I was like, oh no, you have to basically go through the whole museum to get to the chapel. So I rushed through the whole thing. And then I found out, no, 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 no. St. Peter's Basilica, the Duomo, the, the top of it was closing early. Anyway, so I thought, well, I got to make it to the Sistine Chapel to have one moment of peace in there before I leave. Well, the only person who gets any peace and quiet in the Sistine Chapel is the Pope. Because there's so many people in there, you know, trying to like sneakishly take photos when the tour guard, the security guards are just screaming, no photo, no photo the whole time you're in there. So I, I may or may not have taken a photo. And I went back to the beginning of the Vatican Museum. And I made my way through what I think is called the Gallery of Tapestries, just beautiful, ornate tapestries on the wall. And I think the series that I'm that I'm talking about is by Raphael. And it was a series of the life of Christ. And I'm looking at them and they're so beautiful and intricately, intricately woven. And I hear this American accent guiding a tour and I was like, no way. So I unplug my earphone and I hear this American voice say, now, if you look really closely at Jesus's hands, you can tell he was just crucificated. Crucificated. That's not a word. So I thought, oh, no, no, no. I'm just immediately responding like this. And the people in Turgay are like, what? <laughs> like, never mind. <laughs> it's not a word. Anyway, so I kind of went at the same speed. I was tour adjacent for some part of the time. And then we sort of broke off and went on our different ways. But when we made it back to St. Peter's Basilica, they were in there right in front of me. A couple of people then kind of made their way behind me and I was like, oh, I'm surrounded by these Americans. Um, 
I'm an American, it's cool. <laughs> but this woman behind me, she puts her hand on her chest and she has this great big sigh. <gasps> oh, can you believe this is where Jesus is buried? She says. <laughs> I turned around and I said, no, don't you remember from that last tapestry where he was resurrected? And the tour guide snaps this look at me like I stole her word. <laughs> um, I didn't. It's not a word. <laughs> As I made my way back to my Airbnb that night, my bags arrived. My Airbnb hostess said in three languages, congratulations, your bags are here. And we celebrated with a beautiful bottle of her homemade limoncello and a cold bottle of Prosecco. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my trip to Italy. Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month helps keep KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. That's all one word Give KYRS to 44321. KYRS, Thin Air Community Radio, is a volunteer-powered, non-commercial, listener-supported community radio station in Spokane, Washington, serving the area with unique programming for unserved and underserved populations. Heard on 92.3 and 88.1 FM and streaming 24-7 at www.kyrs.org, we provide a mix of news, views, culture, and music often overlooked by other media. KYRS depends on listeners like you. Please donate by texting "Give KYRS" all one word to four four three two one or call seven four seven three eight zero seven. That's "Give KYRS" all one word to four four three two one or call seven four seven three eight zero seven. KYRS Easy Pay Program become a sustaining member of KYRS. By donating on a monthly basis, you help ensure steady income to keep KYRS powered and strong. Please consider signing up to make a recurring donation to KYRS by visiting kyrs.org and complete the form. It's that easy. Also, you can donate by texting one word, give KYRS to 44321 or calling 747-3807. That is by texting give KYRS, all one word, to 44321 or calling 747-3807. Donate just $3 a month now to KYRS and you'll receive a year's membership, which includes email updates, the KYRS bumper sticker, and the great feeling of supporting something positive in your community. True Community Radio depends on your support and involvement. Visit kyrs.org to donate and become a member. That is just $3 a month to become a member for one year. If you are a listener to Art Hour, please consider donating to KYRS to keep us up and running for another year. Your donation is so important now more than ever to help sustain all our volunteer community radio. Our last storyteller is Anthony Rupp, who tells a story about faith. I think every kid is uh, afraid of the dark, or at least I was. By the time uh, I was seven, I would lay in my aunt and uncle's house, and I would stare in front of me, and I would see demons, you know, sort of monsters trickling on the hall working their way up to get me, clearly, because all demons want uh, a seven-year-old boy who still pees the bed. Um, it wasn't until I would turn on the light that I would realize there aren't demons. They didn't exist. Uh, just in my mind did they conjure, only did my mind could create such horrific images of beasts in, in goblins um, to come gobble me up. As I said, I, uh, I used to live with my aunt and uncle. Uh, 
through uh, reasons uh, of abuse in my original house, I was selected uh, to move in my aunt and uncle's. But as a kid, with my fancy imagination led to a passion um, of religious belief. It was the belief of things that you cannot see that drove me. I had led my lifestyle by a book that was about 2,000 years old. Every day I would ruin relationships because of quick judgments I had learned uh, from uh, this book that I had read and internalized in my heart. When I was with uh, my aunt and uncle, we lived in a house uh, that were two stories tall. It was um, slight brick, slight gray paint of sheeted walls along the sides, two pine trees in the backyard and one in the front. Like billboards, they would scan the skies. I say this because it was the interior of the house um, that was quite ironic, with homes festered as um, a place like home. And home is where the heart is, and love, joy, and peace plastered on each and every wall. It was when you stepped in, did you feel a little bit claustrophobic? It was deep religious uh, belief that I believe almost conjured sort of a way of thinking. You see, because it was a cornerstone church in Liberty Lake, Washington, um, that sort of drove this hard passion. When the preacher would scream, you would pray louder. If the preacher would run, you would run faster. And if God called you, you would do more. You see, because I, as a kid, was built as an instrument for God. But as uh, I aged, so did my thoughts. Questions poured in like, uh, why should I follow a book um, that was written 2,000 years old? Why am I following a path that was pre-written for me by people I didn't know? Why am I casting judgments uh, to people who I've never met because of their beliefs? It's questions like these that posed conflict. You see, because my aunt and uncle not knowing the answers just knew that these questions were coming from the devil. It was trying to trick uh, somebody out of faith. It was questions that maybe they'd start to uh, think back on their own faith and realize uh, that it was built on the thin air that lied between us. That's when uh, it led to uh, a Thursday afternoon of, uh, of arguments and, and, and fights, of disagreement and disapproval, of disgust and disarray, I was uh, kicked out. As I packed my stuff into my uncle's old Chevy truck, I looked back at the house one more time. I looked back in my uh, room's window that was casting on me like a shadow of memory. And I would remember that all I had to do was turn on the light. You see, because the house that I was moving to uh, was something the most terrifying. There might be demons that I might make in my mind, but these demons uh, that, I, that I was going to live with were true. You see, I lived in a church uh, in which these people were the worst amount of people. The devil resided with them as they drank coffee in the early morning, spitting on Christians and roasting babies that they would eat. Ridiculous, no? I believe that. I, uh, I, 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 the whole right there, like, uh, like the raindrops that I would watch from that cloudy day, the sweat would drip down my brow as I would think about how I was going to die. You see, uh, it was hot in the, in the car. It was a heater that was turned on uh, too much that I reached for just to adjust it because it seemed like the only hell I was in was in that crowdy stuffed 
car with my uncle and he slapped my hand and he said, don't touch the car. Because the house that you're going to, you can touch whatever you want. I only heard headlines of the house that I was going to. You see, the two devils that resided in this house were lesbians. That's it. That's, that's what I was afraid of. So when I walked through the front door and saw how uh, a homey uh, place with well-decorated furniture and, and signs that weren't bullshit, um, I, uh, I reflected. Something's not right. Maybe I just need to peek a little bit darker, uh, a little bit deeper into this darkness. Uh, my uncle didn't stay for long. He didn't want the devil uh, to catch him. Through quick conversation, I learned that uh, this was a normal household. It, it was one filled with love, and if there was a God, I think it would be in those two people. It was when I walked into the kitchen and saw a magnet that said, Don't worry, we're just practicing witchcraft. The irony and hilarity through this um, brought me eventually to my bed late at night, in which I stared at the wall and saw nothing. Because sometimes uh, the demons that you think are there don't exist. You see, the only demons that exist are the ones that you make. Thank you. Let's try that one again. If you are a listener to Odd Hour, please consider donating to KYRS to keep us up and running for another year. Your donation is so important now more than ever to help sustain our all-volunteer community radio. If you mention that you are on an Art Hour listener during our fund drive this month and make a donation, Art Hour will match your donation up to $100. Please pick up your phone and call 747-3807 to pledge or to text Give KYRS, all one word, 44321. Again, you can call to pledge your donation to 747-3807 or text Give KYRS at 44321. As an added bonus, here is a story from Pivot's previous contest with the theme, Unintended. We weren't able to fit it on the previous show, but it's here now. This is Nicole Mischke with her story, The Unintended Pickup Line. I do not envy any of the people that have to be a part of the dating world these days. I mean, gosh, the instant pressure that must come with being on all these apps. And nothing against these dating apps. I may be personally terrified of them, but I know they've worked wonders for some. But when you think about why they were created, I mean, we get it, right? It was basically so that anyone intending on having a shot at love could just have a little extra help. It's like a way of combining the power of the algorithms with our shallow first impressions and you bring them together and hopefully it solidifies a connection with that perfect person. And listen, you know, I am all about the power of intention, right? You want to set out to find love, maybe you'll find it. But perhaps love is meant to be intentional in a different way. Perhaps love is meant to be more of a serendipitous encounter. I, for one, think that some of the best relationships start off unintended. That's how mine started out anyway. Well, I guess I should say it was unintended for me. Uh, my husband, on the other hand, he was very much intending to drive around Spokane to cruise for chicks. Totally not creepy. It was just what any love-thirsty 20-year-old was doing in 2006. <laughs> but seriously, though, most relationships, when you think about it, they have multiple opportunities to get off the ground. The dating world that I grew up in, at least, people either met in class or they met at work or they met through mutual friends. And so you had some time to kind of work up the courage to ask a girl or a guy out. And better yet, you could also do a little investigating before putting your heart out there on the line. Like, no, seriously, Joe, like, do you think I actually have a chance with Jim? And I guess the same thing kind of goes for online relationships. The digital world is basically, it's a, it's a barrier that protects you from getting shot down. You get a little insight on whether or not someone is actually interested in you before you have to put your heart out there. But maybe those barriers of protection are actually preventing relationships. 
I mean, think about it. Maybe they're preventing relationships from blossoming or even starting in the way that they could if they started out unintended. You know, there's often vulnerability in what's unintended. For example, when you get a flat tire or you sleep in and you're late for work or the world comes to a screeching halt because of the coronavirus pandemic. Totally unintended, but really vulnerable. And then think about love. I mean, how much more vulnerable can you get than love? So now the question is, well, what does a unintended relationship look like? Well, here's what mine looked like. It was my second week of college as a freshman at Gonzaga, and I decided to join the crew team. Now, I had never rowed a boat in my life before for the purpose of going as fast as possible, but I was terrified of the freshman 15, and so signing up as a collegiate athlete for whatever sport would take me, that seemed like the only logical thing to do. Spoiler alert, uh, I think I lasted about two weeks of practice and then I just straight up no-showed. I had learned what a puny little sissy I was and I was not about to go show my face to that coach just so I could say the two words, I quit. Anyway, the best thing, there actually was a really good thing about my two-week career on the crew team and that's that I got invited to the top secret invitation only crew house party and I still remember getting the email. You weren't allowed to tell anybody about it. They didn't want it to get too big and have the cops show up. So I was allowed to bring one friend they added her to the list and they were going to be checking IDs, not for age, just to verify your identification. So the night came, I threw on my navy blue sweatshirt that said Gonzaga and we were off to our first college party. Well, we showed up and there was a guy standing outside with like a clipboard checking your IDs and making sure that your name was on the list. And we were very quickly disappointed. We didn't know anybody. There were hardly any lights on. It was like a total frat house. There was no furniture really. There was music blaring. And I swear that even the walls were like dripping in beer. We just decided, you know what, this isn't for us. And so we left about 10 minutes later. Well, on our walk back to campus, I got a call from a friend. And they said, hey, what are you doing? Come on over for a movie night. So I said, sure, um, we're just heading back to campus. We're right by Safeway. And they said, Safeway, great. Could you maybe stop and pick us up some ice cream or some snacks to bring over? So we agreed and we made our way into the Safeway grocery store. Well, now let's rewind a bit to see what my husband had been doing this whole time or my now husband had been doing this whole time. His name's Luke and he had grown up in Deer Park. And after high school, he was working for a living and living for the weekend. And so the weekend was finally here. He and his buddy, they were like, let's go to Spokane. And they literally decided that they were gonna go again, cruise for chicks. But their first stop was the Northtown Mall because where else would you go if you were gonna look for chicks? And they got there just before closing. So they were only inside for a short time before they, end they ended up having to leave. And uh, you know how the mall has like the double sets of doors? Well, they actually got stuck in that breezeway between the two sets. They had gone through the first set, doors locked behind them, and the exterior doors were already locked. So they had no choice but to wait for security. So they're trapped, but they happen to also be trapped with a couple girls um, who played basketball for the women's basketball team at Gonzaga. And the basketball team at Gonzaga, they had all been invited to the crew house party. So they all got to talking and clearly the girls didn't care about the rules like I had. They didn't care it was top secret because they just straight up invited both of them to come to the party that night. They just didn't tell them the address. All Luke and his friend knew was that there was a party at the crew house on Gonzaga's campus and they were determined to find it. So deductive reasoning told them that they'd probably have a good chance at finding the crew house if they drove around Gonzaga's campus and any person who was wearing any sort of Gonzaga gear who looked about college age, they could just stop them and say, hey, do you know where the crew house is? We're trying to go to this party. Well, that's when they spotted me. I was in my, again, blue Gonzaga sweatshirt with the right white letters across the top. And I was walking into the Safeway on Hamilton. Luke followed me inside. Again, totally, totally not creepy. And he found me in the ice cream aisle. I was holding Ben and Jerry's in one hand and Milk Duds in the other. And he was like walking up to me all cool. And he said, hey, so uh, ice cream and milk duds, huh? That was his impressive opening line. And I was like, uh, yeah, it's for a movie night with my friends. And he was like, cool. Well, I was actually wondering if you could help me with some directions. I got invited to this party at the crew house. I was wondering if you knew where it was. And my first thought was, you're a liar. 
you didn't get invited to the party at the crew house because I recalled that email and it strictly said that anyone who was invited to the party would know where it was and I was not to give the address out to anyone. So I proceeded to lie right back to him and I said, no, sorry, I don't know where it is. And that was the end of our conversation. My friend and I, we went through the register and started to walk across the parking lot to go back to campus. And that was about the time that my friend noticed and she was like, hey, Nicole, that guy is chasing us. And sure enough, here comes Luke. And my first thought was like, oh, dear Lord, like this guy better not be asking me out because if he does, I'm gonna have to tell him to kick rocks and I don't know how to do that nicely. <laughs> so uh, he came up and he was like, hey, you know, not to look like I'm chasing you guys down in a parking lot, although I guess I am but you just seem kind of cool. And I was wondering if you might want to have a sandwich sometime. And I was like, a sandwich? Like that question totally threw me off. It sounded so spontaneous and innocent, but also unintended. Like he didn't even know what sentence had just fallen out of his mouth. And so I was just like, uh, sure, I guess. We exchanged numbers and a few nights later we met at Starbucks. And I'm not really sure what happened to the whole sandwich idea, but Starbucks did seem like a safe place to meet. It was just a couple doors down from my dorm, so I could walk there myself and run away as fast as possible if things got weird. But things didn't get weird. Today, we've got two kids, a dog and a cat, and live in total chaos together. It's great. As crazy as that story is, you know, I often just look back and think of all the unintended decisions that had to be made at just the right moment so that our paths could cross in that one moment. Otherwise, we probably never would have seen each other again. You know, like what if I hadn't joined the crew team? And what if I hadn't left shortly after arriving that party? What if I hadn't worn that sweatshirt that proudly stated I was a Zag? And then there's Luke, you know? What if he hadn't gone to the mall that day and not gotten trapped in the breezeway? And what if he hadn't used that strange manipulative line, you know, would you like to get a sandwich sometime? Well, he probably would have been shot down. So if you're looking for love, maybe just consider that you could let your unintended actions lead you to that moment of vulnerability, that moment where the door to love might open for you, where you're gonna have to balls up and ask a person out straight to their face because it just feels like the thing that you should do. You have to let your heart lead you. You have to pay attention to those nudges because I really believe that God and the universe, they are working in your favor, but you have to be open to it. And by all means, I just wanna say, if you would like, please go ahead and use that line, would you like to have a sandwich sometime? Because I'm gonna guess that nine times out of 10, you're not gonna get shot down. Thank you for listening and for donating to KYRS. See you next week.